You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Resonate. Just want to say again how grateful and thankful we are that you're joining us. Today, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here with Resonate, uh, and although it might take a little bit of getting used to seeing somebody on video uh, helping to describe and understand uh, what God is doing uh, through a sermon, um, just want to tell you we have a super high value here at Resonate for allowing you to hear a myriad of different voices and experiences uh, really when it comes to understanding who God is. And so although it might take some getting used to, uh, we hope that this is something that you come to know and love and cherish deeply, uh, having people from all across the Resonate Network help to open the Bible to teach what God has to say and connecting that uh, to people who are live and leading and leadership and and staff members um, and people on the ground making disciples wherever you find yourself today. Uh, We fully believe that college is such a significant time period in your life. Uh, And that's not just us, but really psychology and sociology and biology would all come together and say that who you become in the next four, five, six years of your life maybe uh, is who you will be for the rest of your life. This, this short time period that you have here in college is so, so critical to who you will be for the rest of your life. And we believe that this is precisely the time that God does not desire to leave you to fend for yourself, uh, but instead that he desires to love you, to care for you, to provide people around you to help you through this such a vital time period in your life. And for us at Resonate, we exist exist so that you can come face to face with the kingdom of God, with the way that things are supposed to be, just to catch a glimpse of what it could look like to live into a purpose that God has for you uniquely. That's our hope. That's our heart. And we fully believe that if you have your eyes open to it today, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, if you have your eyes open to it, that you will experience God. If you're willing to to look and you're willing to understand and ask the questions about what is true and what is real, that you will have an experience where God shows up for you. Uh, One of the ways that we see God show up so significantly, uh, maybe most significantly in the lives of many people is through other people is actually through interacting with other individuals who have had experiences with God. And that's actually a really big deal. Some of you uh, are here today because you have a very significant question that you want answered in your life. Maybe it's a question about existence. Maybe it's a question uh, about your purpose. Maybe it's a question about God or reality or eternity or some question around that. Uh, We also know that there's a group of you who are here today because you're just interested in the person that invited you to come here today, honestly. Uh, Like if you're a girl and you invited a guy, like I'm not going to say anything about that, but we all know kind of what goes down in that realm. Uh, And however you found yourself in the room today as a church, we just want to say you're welcome here. You are very welcome here and we are glad that you're here. One of the clearest ways, as we said, that God shows up to people is through the relationships with other people, through other individuals who have had experience 
experiences with God, who then project those experiences as opportunities for you to engage in. And the more you see this happen, the more you may realize that those people can start to become friends for you. Uh, we would actually say that God cares very deeply about your friendships. He cares about you having friends. And this is extremely important in this time period of your life. I want to tell you a story. Uh, I was about a year out of college uh, and I was still living in the same town that I went to college in. And I was hanging out with some friends that I had made during college. And I'll never forget this experience. We were uh, in the living room and we were eating pizza. I was eating pizza. And when I eat pizza, I'm a shoveler. So I'm shoveling pizza. I'm shoveling pizza consistently. And somehow we got on the topic of uh, a four-letter word. It used to be cool. It might not be cool anymore, but the four-letter word was pogo. Uh, a pogo is something that everybody else knows about you that you don't know about yourself. So we're kind of having this really extreme honesty moment as friends and we're talking about pogos. And one person says to another person in the room, hey, you know what? Here's the thing that everyone knows about you that you don't know about yourself. Every time you try to sing, you're like so off key. You're like so bad at singing, even though you think you might be good at singing. And everyone's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then they point to another person in the room and they're like, hey, your pogo is like, most times when you come out of the bathroom, there's like toilet paper hanging off your shoes still. Oh, that's funny. And so the room kind of goes silent and I go, well, hey guys, what about me? I can handle it. Tell me what's my pogo. And it's kind of this like hush over the room as I'm shoveling pizza in. And uh, someone's like, hey, actually, Chris, I don't know if you want to know your pogo. And I'm like, no, I can handle it. I, I promise I can handle it. And they're like, well, Chris, the thing that everyone knows about you that you don't know about yourself is you are an extremely loud eater. You're extremely loud eater. And as I have pizza in my mouth, I'm like, oh, come on, guys, come on. And they're like, no, 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 I don't think you understand, Chris. Like, when you are eating in the building, everybody knows Chris Routon is eating in the building. You have like a supersonic chunk. Like, I had no idea. And in that moment, I'm like, why didn't you guys tell me about this? How come, how come you didn't? explain this to me earlier. I'm like, my face is like flushing and, and I'm, I'm, I'm extremely like frazzled now. I'm like, I thought I could handle it. I actually can't handle it anymore. And, and they're like, hey, well, you know, we just didn't really know the best time to tell you. I'm like, we've been friends for a long time. I eat like six meals a day. What do you mean you didn't know the best time to tell me? You had plenty of time to tell me. And after, you know, the room kind of died down, the laughter stopped, uh, I realized, hey, I'm actually really grateful that you guys told me. I'm not going to take this personally. I'm going to try to change. Uh, and, and it was in that moment, I just, I realized the significance of like having good friends. Like having good friends really matters. The people who will tell you like the honest things about yourself that might be hard to hear, but are actually really important for you to hear. Friends, friends matter. We're actually designed as humans to need friendships. In fact, recently uh, the, the company Business Insider published an article, a research article that they had done with a various uh, focus group of Americans where they found out that the average American only has one true deep friendship that across the board in our country that most people only have one true deep friendship 
and, and even farther than that, UC Berkeley went on to uh, publish an article. It was right in the middle of 2020 uh, when, when everybody was on lockdown in quarantine, and they did a research study about the effects that quarantine was having on friendships. And the big conclusion of their research study was that in times of significant transition, you need friends. You need friends. And so in this series, over the next four weeks, we're going to explore the understanding and the topic of friendship. And specifically, could it be that God cares so much about your well-being, about your experience in this life, about your flourishing, that He has something very important to say about friendships? So today we're kind of just get we're going to kind of get on the same page about how God sees friendships and how he defines friendships. Next week uh, we're going to talk about choosing to live in community instead of living in isolation. The week after that we'll talk about conflict and canceling each other. That's going to be a hot one. You're going to want to be present with us for that one. And then finally we're going to finish out with the idea of talking through separation and how we can actually experience acceptance except through separation moving to acceptance and understanding how God presents that for us. So this is going to be important for us to take inventory of our friendships because over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about this a lot. So I want to ask you to go with me for a second into maybe a place in in the mind's eye where you envision uh, a few scenarios down the road. Okay, we're going to go there together. In just a moment, the room is going to go from totally quiet and listening to me to actually chattering and interacting with one another in just a second. But I want to give you a scenario for you to imagine, and I want to ask you to talk about that scenario uh, with the people around you or with the person uh, next to you. So here's the first scenario. Here's the first scenario. It's your next birthday. It's your next birthday. And somebody close to you has planned a party for you, maybe a surprise party for you. I want you to think about who is that person that would have planned that party. Maybe who's in the room for your birthday party at your next birthday. Okay, I want you to take about 30 seconds right now. We just turn to the person next to you and uh, engage in conversation about who's the person that would plan that party for you and who is in the room. Go for it. So I know it might be hard to think about uh, you know, who that person is. Uh, actually, when I was in college, my senior year of college, I was just about to turn 22, and I worked downtown at a, a coffee shop that was also an ice cream shop. They didn't trust me with espresso, so they put me on scoops. They had me scooping ice cream. And it was my birthday, it was a Friday, Friday night, and I was turning 22, and I was working. Uh, on my birthday in the evening time. And all of a sudden, as I'm scooping ice cream for somebody, one of my friends walks in the side door of the ice cream shop. And he's wearing, decked out in 80s gear, neon, backwards hat, uh, backwards basketball jersey with a boom box on his shoulder. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? And 
Like a second later, another person walks in decked out in neon. A third person, a fourth person, pretty soon the entire ice cream shop fills up with people decked out in 80s gear. And, and there's still people in front of me who like are not dressed in neon. They're like, what is going on? I'm like, hey, I think I know them, but I'm not gonna associate with these people right now. So these customers leave and, uh, and this whole crowd of like 40, 50, 60 people maybe in front of me are, are, are all kind of watching me in silence. Nobody said a word. And so I'm like, what are you guys doing here? And one person says, we're here to party. They hit the boom box and a dance party commences uh, that literally goes on for two hours. Everybody buys ice cream. Uh, I'm scooping, my arm is sore, but everybody tips me. And there's this huge dance party in the, in the ice cream shop that was uh, a very memorable birthday for me where my friends came around uh, and planned something that was a huge surprise for me. So I know it's kind of a crazy story, but here's the next scenario that I want you to envision. Imagine it is your wedding day. Imagine it's your wedding day, ladies. You've imagined this, you know, for the last 18, 19 years of your lives. It's not gonna be hard for you. But who is standing next to you on your wedding day? I want you to think about those people. Uh, and would you take a few seconds now, turn to the person next to you and say some names of people that you hope will be standing next to you on your wedding day. Go for it. All right, I know once again, that's probably a hard scenario for you to imagine. Just a quick show of hands. Anybody have like an old friend from like elementary school that you made a promise to that they would be like your, your best man or your, your maid of honor and you like don't talk to each other now? And so now you're like, uh, I have to figure out how I have to like not invite this person to my wedding so they don't see I got married, so they don't see that uh, they're not my maid of honor or something. Yeah, that's, I can get a little bit awkward sometimes. So this is uh, a picture of me uh, on my wedding day. Any chance I can get to show off my wife on our wedding day, I'm gonna take that opportunity. And most people who are standing next to us on our wedding day, we actually met in college. Most, almost everybody uh, who stood next to us, we met in college. And that is, you know, potentially something that you'll experience as well. I remember hearing a joke uh, that said that guys go to college to find their bride and girls go to college to find their bridesmaids. I remember hearing that. Uh, so guys, listen, they're just not here for you. They're not here for you, unfortunately. So, hey, the next scenario, I know this is like decades away for most of you, but I want you to imagine the day that your first child is born. The day that you bring your first child into the world, if you get to have that experience, if you want to have that experience, most likely you'll be in the room, right? Kind of doing the hard work and there will probably be a room of people outside waiting to welcome this monumentous moment, mo monumental moment uh, for you. So imagine who is in the waiting room on the day that you bring your child into the world. Take a few moments, think about that and then turn to the person next to you and see what they have to say.
I know it's kind of hard to imagine that one as well, probably a long way off for most of you. We just welcomed uh, our second child into the world. We have a three-year-old named Callie, uh, and we have a four-month-old named Dominic. Uh, beautiful kids that the Lord has given us. Uh, and we actually had friends in the waiting room waiting for us to welcome our kids into the world. It was an incredible experience. Uh, the last scenario I want you to imagine and just envision is uh, a, little bit, a little bit sadder, but it's your funeral. Imagine your funeral. Imagine uh, the peak moment um, of your existence where your friends come around you and, and mourn and tell stories and celebrate and remember your life. Imagine your funeral. Who's there? Who is there celebrating you? Who is there mourning you? Think about it. Take a few moments and process it with the person next to you. So all of these scenarios take a little bit of imagining, but I hope you get where we're going with this. The idea is to allow you to think about who are the people that you are bringing around your life, that are coming around your life right now, that will be there for the most significant moments in your life in the future. So let me just ask a rhetorical question that you can maybe think on or ponder on. How are you doing in the friendship department? How are you doing with friendships? How difficult or how easy was it to imagine those key moments in your life? How are you doing with friendships? We said earlier that God cares about your friendships, but I want to take that a step further and say that God cares about you having not just friends, but He cares about you having good friends. He cares about you having reliable friends. God cares about you having trustworthy friends. And some of you feel that right now that you might be in a season of transition and wondering, I wonder who these people are for me as I transition from one life stage to the next. I would even say that God has designed us to crave friendships, not just to want friendships, but to need friendships, to really crave them. I want to show us a place in the scriptures together, a place in the Bible together that speaks towards the human need, the human craving, the human necessity and desire for good friendships. It comes from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. You can go there uh, with us right now if you would like. I want to read it out loud. Proverbs 18, verse 24 says this, The one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let me read that one more time. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We're going to kind of dissect this specific verse for just a moment. And just so you know, we don't see this one sentence just as like a good quote for your life. 
we don't see this one sentence just as like some, some good wisdom for you to heed. But when we as a church see the Bible, we understand it as God's direct words to us. We understand it as words that bring flourishing and bring life. We understand it as perfect God giving us perfect words, perfect wisdom to help us in our human experience both live a way that we are intended to live and help us to know Him better. And so when we read one sentence like this, it is so very important that we dwell on it, that we think about it, that we don't pass it off as just another quote that's a a kind of a good thing to say, but that we actually take from this um, healthy things, things for us to understand, to orient our lives lives around. So let's let's reread this first portion of this verse again. The one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Like straight up, what God says here is if you don't have good friends, you are toast. You're in trouble. You will be ruined without good friends. You're done. It's not going to go well for you. What the Bible teaches is that you cannot operate healthily alone. You can't operate healthily alone. You can't be who you were intended to be by God without the presence of other people around you. That by yourself, solo, you will never be able to be the person that God has intended you and designed you uniquely to be. And this is so crazy for us to think about, isn't it? This is so nuts to think about that like you could be the most successful person through your own metrics that you know. You could gain all of the money. You can gain all of the fame. You could solve the most significant world issues that are at hand. But if you don't have good friends, your life will fall apart. It'll unravel. You will be ruined. It's crazy that this is God's words to us. There's an old saying, it's an old proverb from uh, a nation in Western Africa. It's not from scripture, it's not from the Bible, but it still is a helpful picture for us. Uh, It says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You could be incredibly wealthy. You could have everything from the standards of this world when it comes to success, but without close friends, you will be ruined. In the absence of good friends and good reliable friends, you will walk around as a person that you don't desire to be. Actually, I, I know when, uh, when I have a good friend because they'll tell me when there's something uh, in my teeth. I don't know if you ever have that moment where like you come home from hanging out with a group of friends and you like go to, you know, look in the mirror, use the restroom, wash your hands, you kind of smile a little bit. You're like, oh no, I got something in my teeth. Wait a second. I was just with my people. Why did they tell me about this? Why did you not say something? Without good friends, you will walk around metaphorically with something in your teeth. Your life will not be the way that you desire it to be. And what the Bible says here is not that this is decades off, not that this is like a long time from now, like maybe having your first child or, or having your funeral, but that this, the word, the word says here soon, that you will soon come to ruin. Almost like God wants to communicate that you are continually in crisis mode 
if we don't notice and take account of the state of our friendships. Our, our friendships or our lack thereof are a code red deal. It's a code red deal. It's a code red importance, important type of thing, not just to your life, but also to God. So let me ask this of you. Have you felt this recently? Is this maybe a reality that is, is close to home for you? Have you had an experience recently where you went, man, I don't even know who the close people are to me. I, I might actually be walking into some stuff that is detrimental. And if someone just knew, if someone could just be there, someone could just help me, maybe I won't ruin myself. Maybe I could actually flourish. Now, I think that there's some people like even in the room right now who when you walked in, you thought, man, I wish somebody would just know that I'm walking in lonely. I wish someone would just know that I feel awkward like even walking in because I don't, I don't feel like I'm close to anybody here. And like without waving my hands in the air and saying, hey guys, I need friends. Like I wish somebody would just maybe approach me and ask like, hey, can we be friends as awkward as that might feel? So I don't want to single anybody out uh, today. I don't want to single anybody out, but I do want to do an experiment. And I, I'm just going to ask you to be honest in this. You don't have to lie. Please don't lie because of social pressure, but I'm going to do a quick experiment. Would you just raise your hand in the room right now if over the next four years, you would like to develop and gain at least one more good, deep, reliable friendship? Just raise your hand if you would like to gain at least one more good, reliable friendship in the next four years. Okay, lots of hands, lots of hands. Let me ask one more question. Um, would you keep your hand raised if you would like to develop at least one good, deep, reliable friendship in the next year? Like this school year, keep your hands raised. Okay, hands raised. I just want everyone to look around the room right now. Just want everyone to look around the room right now. Okay, what is happening here is so important because what's happening is anthropology and sociology and psychology are all validating theology. What's happening here is your human experience is validating the truth that God has written into scripture that you want and need friends. And I love it when this happens. This happens so often when God says something and then we realize, hey, that's actually true. Like that's not a lie. That's actually good for me. And I just think it's so amazing. Don't you feel like it's amazing that God cares about what you care about? Do you think it's even maybe crazy that God would design you to need that which he can fulfill for you? I think that's wild. The verse goes on to say this, that a friend can be closer than a brother. And that is, I'll just say, that is very controversial. Very controversial. Like I know right now you might even be thinking about like, uh, your mom, like reading that verse, or your dad reading that verse, go, hey, that's, that's not true. There's nobody closer than your blood relationships. But what the Bible says here, what God says here is like, it's possible to have a friend that is closer than even a sibling to you. It's possible that a good friend is even better than a sibling. Because there's some stuff that your family just cannot give you. There are certain things that your neighbor cannot give you. There are certain things that even your romantic interests and your significant other cannot give you that are reserved for the role of friend. 
close friend, confidant, trustworthy, and reliable. And although that might be the first thing that you kick to the curb, your friendships, when you get busy or when you get bogged down, God says it is irreplaceable in your life. It's so very important. And it may not be popular right now to say that a friend can actually be a better person for you than a sibling. Uh, because I think the way that God uh, defines friendship is very different than the way that our culture defines friendship right now. Like if you were to just think about um, magazine covers, think about magazine covers. How many of those covers are riddled with pictures of two good friends interacting with each other? A few, maybe. But compare that to how many magazine covers are riddled with pictures of who's dating who, who's marrying who, who's divorcing who. A lot more way more. In fact, I would say this, that in a liberal and individualistic culture, what is sold to you is that romance is the most important relationship of your life. So it may be that as you come into college, you go, hey, because of the culture that we live in, if I can just get married at the end of this thing, or if I can just have a good boyfriend or a girlfriend, I'm set. That's what's sold to you in a liberal individualistic culture. In a traditionalist, uh, conservative culture, what's sold to you is that family is the most important relationship. So nothing can get in between you and your parents. Nothing can get in between you and your siblings. And that's what's sold to you if we live in this culture that is traditionalist and conservative. If we have a, a socialistic and communitarian culture, it's the civic relationship that is deemed as the most important relationship. Your relationship to your neighbors, the people that you live around, the people that you hold responsibility to in your city, in your culture, fellow students, those are the most important relationships. But every one of those cultures will put friendship on the back burner. And God shows us here in Proverbs 18 that you cannot ignore close, deep friendships. They're necessary. They're beautiful. They're uniquely de designed by him to help us avoid ruin. In fact, God's definition of a good friend here is a person who can help you from ruining your life. Somebody who can save you from ruining your life. And that's a pretty high standard. How do you possibly find a friend like that? How do you possibly find a friend like that? I would say that the entire Bible is a giant narrative about how to connect you to the ultimate friend. The entire Bible is a narrative about how to connect you to the ultimate friend. As you are on a search for earthly friends here and now, that there is a greater narrative at play about your need to have a close confidant, a trustworthy and reliable one. That as you search for deep friendships, that it's necessary for you to also come to grasp that the deepest friendship that you could have is a friendship that is provided by and with God himself. There's something so interesting with Jesus that he models what true friendship actually looks like. Now, he lived on earth with people. He surrounded himself with people. He called friends. He pursued friends. And what's crazy to me is that he was perfect. He had everything going on. He was without fault. And still, he said, hey, I want friends around me. I want to make friends. This is how significant friendship is. God even expresses himself and reveals himself in scripture as a friend to us. Not just 
any friend, but a friend that is a good friend. Not just friends, and he wasn't just friends, and he's not just friends with people who are easy to be friends with. No, Jesus, as he walked, made friends with people who society outcasted, cheaters, liars, thieves, people that the, the rest of humanity and the rest of society would say, those are not good people to be friends with. And I don't know if you hear that and you're anything like me, but I feel that in my soul where I'm like, hey, I've actually done some stuff that would make me be a hard friend to be friends with. What's crazy is that when, when, when most scholars would read what's here and present in Proverbs 18, they would say that God has actually written himself into the verse. It's so wild to think about, but the crazy part, a friend is closer than a brother. There is a friend closer than a brother. It leads us to think about a specific word that is so important in the life of our church. And if you're a part of our church continually, you will hear this word over and over again. I think it's maybe the most beautiful word in the entire English language. It's the word gospel you will hear the word gospel over and over again. If you hear that word and you're like, hey, I don't know what that word means, I'm confused about that word, I just wanna uh, give you permission to ask the person next to you. Give you permission to ask uh, maybe the person that invited you, hey, what does this mean? And also, I just wanna say, I, I wanna give permission to, uh, to everybody to like pursue another person in this room and maybe just ask them, hey, do you know what this word gospel means? So don't find it weird if someone like approaches you maybe today or later on in the week and says, hey, we're talking about the word gospel this weekend uh, at Resonate. Uh, do you actually know what that is? Can I help you to understand that more and more? Don't be weirded out by that. It's very normal for us, very normal for us. The gospel, when it comes to friendships, is the fact that you and I cannot get what we deeply need. That our most deepest need, even if we're conscious of it, we can't grasp. We can't get for ourselves. We need to be saved from ruin. We must be saved from ruin, but we can't save ourselves from ruin. We only lead ourselves to ruin. And so God, in addition to putting close individuals near our lives to help us, he also sent his son, Jesus, to help us, to unite us to a friendship with God himself that we need friendships with other humans, but we also even more deeply need a friendship with God. But there's a chasm of wrong and hurt and sin and darkness and insurmountable things that lay between our friendship with the one who can be closer than a brother. But rather than leave us there, he comes to get us. He's a faithful friend, a reliable friend, a pursuer friend, and he showcases his friendship by actually coming to us. That's God. That's who he is. See, in the Bible, you, you meet a few characters that have this understanding. Uh, in Genesis, you meet a person named Abraham. And Abraham, uh, as he was walking, as he was understanding who God has created him to be, the Bible describes him as a friend of God. Describes this guy as God's friend. That's wild to me. In Exodus, you hear about a person named Moses. And Moses uh, had a, basically a, a huge task that God had given him uh, to lead God's people to freedom. And it says in Exodus that God would meet with Moses face to face like a friend. That's wild to me. 
Uh, there's another character in the Old Testament named David who writes, uh, he writes uh, many of the Psalms. And in the 25th Psalm, he shares what it looks like to be friends with God. And he talks about being a friend of God. And one day Jesus comes on the scene and he puts flesh on the foreshadowing that all these other people that had friendship with God were talking about, were, were walking through. And he befriended weak and hurting and alienated and sinful people. And this is a beautiful aspect of the gospel, that as you are on the search in the next four years for deep friendships, that you can come to grasp the deepest friendship that you need is a friendship with God, an understanding and a relationship with God, and that Jesus paves the way for that. Let me tell you this, when Jesus grips a person's heart, when he becomes friends with an individual, the love that he shows to that individual becomes natural for that individual to show other people. Uh, so what I mean by that is this, some of the best friends that you may ever make in your life are ones who have experienced the love of God and are willing to showcase that to you, to like transfer that love to you, to be almost a conduit of God's friendship to you. Uh, the summer um, of my junior year, my sophomore to junior year of college, was maybe one of the darkest uh, summers and most painful times of my life. I lost, I had a falling out with a close friend. It was very painful for me, extremely painful. And when I didn't know who to turn to, when I had no idea where to go for answers, I found a faithful friend in Jesus. Man, he showed who he was to me. It was like for the first time in my life, in the midst of pain and isolation and loneliness, I began to understand who God was, a trustworthy savior, a faithful friend who felt closer to me than any other person ever had. And at the same time that God was rallying around me, he was sending real life people to rally around me at the exact same time that they were showcasing God's love to me and helping me understand who God truly was at the same time. God's people tangibly showing the love of Christ, pursuing me deeply as friends. I hope you have this experience. I hope you have this experience. So if you look at this whole room, you might be thinking, wow, everybody who raised their hand, um, you know, we all need friends. And the big, I think the big flip and the big reveal is the transfer of viewpoint to not look at how many people could be my friend, but to think, man, look how many people need a friend desperately. What if I was that friend to people? What if I was the one who understood God's love and began to showcase that and pour that out to others who need it? What if I became the person who provided the deep, trustworthy, reliable friendships that everyone needs? So I wanna leave you with this question as we finish today. Do you operate like that towards anybody? Are you a person who kickstarts friendships? Are you waiting for others to lavish friendship and reliability and trustworthy upon you? Or are you the type of person that maybe today could say, I would love to experience the love of God and then be a faithful friend to another individual? That's my hope for you. It's my prayer for you. And a bigger prayer would even be that over the next few weeks as we explore friendship, that you would have face-to-face -face encounters with the God of the universe that makes this all possible. I wanna pray for you in that right now. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us, for your love and for your mercy. Uh, God, I just ask the truth of you being a faithful friend in our time of need would be so 
uh, welcomed and desired by people who are part of Resonate or exploring Resonate today. Lord, would you also give good friends to the people who are listening right now? God, would you, would you allow for deep, reliable, faithful, true friendships to permeate our lives? Lord, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.